2: flushcarecom slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary
3: gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can
4: be. You can follow us on Instagram at gays Revolting Pod, or join our Facebook group at The Gays are Revolting. Hey guys. Hello. <laughs> hey, nice to see you all again. All? All. Well. Feels,
3: can we say all? <laughs> it feels like a while since we've been here. I that feel like a, it's just been an epic week, I think. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: Long yeah.
4: weekend. Oh, it's yeah. a yes. long weekend. Yeah. Oh,
3: and also because we're recording on Tuesday now, yeah. we were Mondays before yes. for a few weeks because I had an extra day. Because Tom's selfishly having a combination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel
2: like I've come out the end of like a hibernation.
3: Oh. Because <laughs> so I've
2: genuinely had like shows on every single night or doing this podcast. Yeah. I do On the know one night how. of the week that I had off, and I just feel like I'm free and I'm alive and I can eat healthy things and not get drunk every night. It's really nice. yeah oh.
4: Wow. Well, I should probably insult you guys. Please. <laughs> <laughs> start. it off, only feel right. Because it has been a while. Yeah. Let's start off with a quiz um, this week. <laughs> okay. So, everyone, what is something that's over 800 years old, mm-hmm. is currently flaming, and has seen years of homophobic abuse? <laughs> oh. It's not Notre Dame. It's our first host, Tom. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Oh, <laughs> that was a good one. I like Thank that. you for coming in. And happy birthday to Kyle as well. I know. Yeah. Twenty-eight mm-hmm. over the weekend, or was it last week? Ah, uh, it was last Tuesday. So just proving that things can last past their expiration date. <laughs> oh. And it is sad to say, Mikey's not here this oh, week no. with us in spirit. With <laughs> us in spirit and without a cockring. Oh <laughs> yeah, as well,
3: oh that it's probably just fully healed. That's why he's not here this he's week. He's finally got his banging driving again. <laughs> yeah, we'll let the
4: listeners connect the dots on yeah. why he's West. not here this week. Hi, Josh. And we're also going to edit in an interview. (laughs) We have a pre-record this week. We're getting so high tech. This is pretty exciting, but we've got our first ever RuPaul's Drag Race girl on the show this week. I got to have a early morning chat with Thorgy Thor Cute. gross <laughs> had <going>. I'm very <laughs> oh, excited gross. to hear it I haven't heard yeah. it yet yeah. Yeah. yeah it went well I think it bodes well for future RuPaul's oh. girls hopefully she's
3: the first of many yeah. so, least, uh, <laughs> so, so how was everybody's long weekend wonderful I,
2: I did the last mm-hmm. one of our shows and then have not done I've literally been on the couch since then because uh, oh, really? yeah, it's been nice to not have to do anything yeah it's been bet. great.
3: did you guys do Easter stuff well I went to the country with Duncan because we had a 30th to go to okay. and it was all very eastery, and I was like, "Oh wow, people still get chocolate as adults." Oh, and nice. I'm, I'm for it.
2: <laughs> I didn't have a single Easter egg this Easter, but really? I did scoff down an entire thing of hot cross buns when I was hung over.
4: Uh, so. <laughs> I do like hot cross buns. Coles has like salted caramel oh, hot cross amazing. buns. Amazing! Yum! I like
2: all the weird variations yeah. you yeah. get. I've yeah. Been, yeah. Did you see the outrage about the rainbow hot cross buns at the? I think it's the South mm. Melbourne Markets. No, uh, no yes, yes, I can someone, see where please. this is, is going. Could, yeah, so like some like nice baker guy that has a market store. I'm pretty sure it's the South Melbourne Markets. So it was in the newspaper. Decided to do unicorn mm. hot cross buns that were like rainbow colors, and these religious people got yeah. offended because it was gay affiliated. And the guy was yeah. like, "I just did it because my, my daughter likes rainbow stuff, so I made some <laughs> rainbow hot cross buns." Oh, uh, it was outrage. Amazing. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
3: like to stick to the holy cross on yeah. the top of them. <laughs> like, yeah, and then we're away on the weekend, and I did some driving for the process. i you drugs. I, drugs. <laughs> oh, I mean, look.
0: Yeah. Oh, because no, you never have have drive. drive. I was like, none of us well, have no, driver's no, no. licenses. Do I
3: got my learner's. I think two. Years ago, or a year and a yeah, half right. ago, and this is the first time I've been behind the wheel since. Yeah, right. Because it was like the long country roads. How like, did you too- go? Yeah, I was fine. See, it was it that stressful when those big on- trucks and stuff? Were driving yeah, cars. that's. So I was like, oh god, this is how I die. Yeah, yeah. We need us, to do an investigation, investigation into why gay men don't have their driver's Yeah, persons,
2: got, as a side note. We spoke about it, and like, I did some recently as well at, to a country town because I hadn't driven in yeah. years, and I was fine. And then all of a sudden, I was on like a country highway where mm-hmm. it was just like one lane either way with these massive trucks coming towards me, and I'm like screaming, and my friends going, "Okay, we're just going to pull over really soon," and I'm like because <laughs> like I'm the slightest you're going like 100 yeah. kilometers
3: an hour and the slightest little nudge and you yeah,
2: in front of yeah it's one crazy of and then trucks.
3: like so many um, kangaroos and stuff yeah yeah and then like you're having like dodged all it daytime or nighttime daytime mm. yeah so mm. yeah I mean, about like than two than hours time, and it was raining so you know multiple yeah. conditions mm. <laughs> oh, good on you Are you ready to yeah. get your license now? no yeah, no, no, wow. no no no
4: no we yeah. saw a ghost when we went <laughs> no, oh. I'm not even joking. A ghost. We saw a ghost when, when you we went driving. Went driving in the country, yeah. Were you wow. on drugs? Or no. <laughs> it was really spooky. The guy driving, his name was Cliff, I think. And oh he, God! Did he drive off a cliff? No, he no. kept telling us how if a kangaroo, this is useful actually. If a kangaroo jumps in front of your car, don't. Swerve. I yeah. I would have a
3: big problem with that. Like you I don't drive think I mentally could do it through it. Yeah, yeah.
4: Because swerving means yeah. you go into the of mm-hmm. another truck or something. Yeah. 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 So he said it like fifteen times and a few of us are like watching the trees go by and i was like did we just pass a person Mm. and this was like middle of nowhere yeah about 3am in the morning and my friends were like yeah there was just a guy standing in the middle mm. of a field holding a <gasps> No, I've seen that movie it's like yeah. Jeepers Creepers or something. In between like the trees yeah. illuminated by no. the, the lights of the car and we're like that's so weird what yeah. would he be doing? We've been out of town for like an hour mm-hmm. at that point. We turned yeah. back to look at the road and a kangaroo jumps out <gasps> in front of us oh, and Cliff swerves uh, so we go into after it. After he's been telling you for yeah, yeah so we went yeah. into a ditch. I pooped my pants a little bit yeah. so we all had to get out the car for that reason for that reason <laughs> and we were there for about 20 minutes and then we never Jeez. talked about the man with the bucket Ooh. 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 can we not haunt our listeners yeah <laughs> like that's so spooky. creepy spooky oh, we should even make it gay <laughs> yeah make
3: it gay, gay it's like he had great nails like <laughs> he was gay yeah. he was definitely so gay. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> he was flying the rainbow flag behind that chair. <laughs>
2: Seeing as we've just had Anzac Day, I thought it'd be really nice to talk about. Um, I was like, just. Had. LGBT- I was like, I forget. For I was like, wait, I missed <laughs> well, that. We will have. We just will have. Had by had the just time had. It says. Yes, I get it. I get it'd, it would be a nice time to talk about the LGBTI community's um, mm-hmm. contribution to the Anzacs. It's, it's not something that's really taught... Well, I feel like it's been talked about more and more mm-hmm. recently, but not really something that was historically talked taught- yeah. about. And something I didn't really realize until I was recently doing some research for for the podcast was that the Australian Army didn't really have a policy against gays oh. until nineteen 19- forty. Forty-three, because the Americans were really <laughs> against it. Yeah, and they did. They were doing their research to try and oh. find. They were. They did research right? they they like to try proactive. and find gay, like didn't they? Yeah, have bigger, they bigger
5: problems no, going on at the time. They, like, yeah, yeah well, need- you would think
2: so, but they saw it. The Americans saw it as a huge threat oh. um, to America's yeah. military force, and they discovered that in nineteen forty. Well, they discovered in nineteen forty-three that in New Guinea discovered it- our
4: podcast. Oh, yeah. Nineteen <laughs> 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 <it> <laughs> forty-three they discovered there was all
2: of these gay Australians because there was a whole lot of Americans and Australians based in New Guinea. Yeah. And that these Australians were, like, bang up for it and were quite often quite promiscuous, as <laughs> the research would show. There's a, an interview in the Gay and Lesbian Archives uh, where one gay soldier talks yeah. about how he would often just go into the barracks because the Americans were split into black and white. At the time, They'd go, he'd go yeah. into the black Americans' barracks and just lie on a bed and let them take Have turns happy. at fucking him. Mm, <laughs> um, Gore Vidal said that the Australians were well-known for um, mm. happily lying on their belly and taking it and that sort of thing. So, apparently, we were oh. well-known. As the uh, power bottoms uh, in World War <laughs> Two, which actually out. is something that needs to be talked about more that's often. I think that's hilarious. But one thing that I have always noticed when you read sort of accounts and and mm-hmm. people's, especially the prisoners of war in, during World War Two, was that there was kind of a thriving queer mm. community in the Australian and New Zealand yeah. Army Corps, especially yeah in these prison of war camps. There was huge drag numbers that were mm-hmm. put on, and this was also at a time where there wasn't a lot of knowledge around people who identified as transgender or anything like that, yeah. and, and and a time when people would often news drag as a way of exploring sexuality and gender, and and there was massive productions put on in these prisoner of war camps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know Danny Larue, the the <laughs> British drag performer. Danny Larue was right. an iconic drag okay. performer after World War Two, but was one of these ones that started out performing for the troops. became so good at it yeah. that they would come back uh, after the war. A lot of them came back to London and to Sydney and started performing. It just like remained like yeah wow. yeah. There's a great story about discovering you were like great drag performer yeah, in the at war. war. <laughs> like, <laughs> really like- great there was a fantastic exhibition at the art center in gallery one a couple of years ago yeah. about drag in wartime mm-hmm. and they had photos and these they were that and they good. were using what they could oh. find and they were doing some pretty amazing looks like yeah. turning some really oh, strong wow. like a lot of camo over what a lot of camo yeah. looks <laughs> there's a great story about pinky i can't remember his, name, his nickname was pinky smith was it? I think it was huh? Smith. Probably. Yeah, right. They were doing a production of the Mikado and the photos of it are really like, this is a oh, full I production back in a German prisoner of war camp. And one of the guys had a go at him for being, I think they called him a fag or a pufter or something oh. like that, and was sort of being a bit relentless with mm-hmm. his bullying of him. And another guy turned to him and said, you might want to be careful. Don't forget he's the three-time heavyweight <laughs> boxing champion oh. back in Australia. Oh. And this boxing champion had gone over and was, was doing these incredible drag performances That's and That's so stuff. cool. See, I would rather
4: watch that as a sitcom as opposed to like will or grace, yeah, will <laughs> or grace,
3: pick one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> someone <laughs> <like> a-
4: <laughs> to enter. Someone to something
2: about will or grace in <laughs> Prisoner of War camps. That'd be really fascinating. But but the vibe you get when you read these first-hand accounts r- r- yeah. is that in World War One and World War Two, it was actually quite accepted, and mm-hmm. people either accepted it or turned a blind eye to it yeah. and weren't that fussed by it. There was a kind of a sense of camaraderie, I think, amongst a lot of the ANZACS, wow. where they were incredibly accepting. In that time, mm-hmm. sadly, after that, the Australian Army as an institution, as, as opposed to the individuals, became quite aggressive with yeah. their attitude towards LGBTI people. Mm. And then that then, I think, probably seeped down into mm-hmm. the people on the ground as well. And then you sort of see right up until, I think it was 1982, when there was five gay ex-servicemen that tried to lay a wreath in memory of LGBTI people. Oh, yeah, people. I remember reading yeah. about that. Yeah, Which and is they tried heartbreaking. There's yeah. photos of it. So, at the big war memorial on Anzac Day in Melbourne, mm. these five guys tried to, to lay a wreath to remember the LGBTI people people that had served yeah, and, and they were, were physically stopped by, I, I can't remember his name, it is the head of the um, return okay, services, yeah. like Reg something or other, and he physically stopped them. Luckily, 1992, mm-hmm. I believe it was, the yeah. army got rid of the rules that they'd introduced in 43 and started becoming more mm-hmm. progressive with their acceptance of LGBTI people. Yeah. And then that sort of continued in 2005. I think they started recognising partners mm-hmm. of serving ANZACs as far as benefits mm-hmm. and that sort of thing go the same way that they do for heterosexual partners. And now there's, you know, we've got- oh, trans accepting people accepting now
3: I don't really like the Australian yeah, army yeah. is
2: incredibly accepting now and, and actively advertisers mm-hmm. trying to recruit oh, members yeah, of the LGBTQ community see
3: people in, like floats and things yeah like that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. they
2: marched in Mardi Gras I think they had about 300 people marching in Mardi Gras last year that's they've good. marched in Mardi Gras for a while mm. like I often see Facebook ads pop up and yeah. stuff um, where they're specifically looking oh,
5: that's for, why.
4: for people I wonder <laughs> why I keep getting targeted the <laughs> <laughs> like, <Yeah. no. laughs> plus a whole I'd love to like, see you serving. Well, what would you do well yeah oh, <laughs> my knowledge of, like, war and being in the army is, like, extensively based purely on pornography. So, <laughs> I mean, I think- <laughs> from all accounts, it's actually pretty accurate from yeah, what I've been well, reading. Well, yes, yeah. well, reading about it, yeah, I was like, gays have, at least in my experience, been very active, usually with one or two penises at the same time, yes. you know. <laughs> and for, like, a point of reference, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which was the American yeah. stance on gays queer people serving. Yeah. When was that repealed or, like... Was 2010 yeah so in some ways you know as much as i rag on white australians on this show we Mm -hmm. like can be quite progressive in Mm -hmm. other ways Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense to me from like a psychological point of view you put people together in like a high pressure Mm. environment and you have to sort of put aside a lot of your differences totally it's like survival yeah it's like when people get trapped in an elevator Mm -hmm. or something you don't care yeah, any more yeah. so much about the finer details because you're humans trying yeah. to survive a pretty bleak circumstance or when you're trapped in an Uber or yeah. <laughs> yeah or when your Uber driver asks for your phone number yeah. right as you're you about a, to get out it's like you need horrifying. to stop talking to your Uber drivers you're <laughs> <laughs> like, right though, there, there, there
2: was a lot of there's a lot of stories of, of mm-hmm. men that served and women that served in the army that were heterosexual prior to mm-hmm. and post-war oh. but had same so sex so they found their during, sexuality worse. yeah or, or at least experimented with it yeah I think part of that would have been the fear of not knowing what comes next and wanting wanting somebody and it would have been a really crazy time and so being sent away yeah. you didn't know if you were going to come back um, you didn't know if you, when you came back Australia would still be Australia Jesus. so I think it would have been a very scary time and finding companionship in, in the people that you were with would have been a very natural reaction yeah, I think yeah. Um, one of the interesting things that I was reading about was that uh, a lot of men joined the army because mm. of the hyper-masculinity of the propaganda that the army had been putting out so yeah. it sort of gave this yeah image of yeah, yeah. you know masculinity and, and mm. men fight and, and that sort of stuff so there was a lot of guys with sort of internalised homophobia that sort of joined yeah. the army thinking it would straighten them out mm-hmm. but ironically then found Gave themselves them in a, yeah, <laughs> like, well, found themselves in, yeah. a, in a situation a, a same sex sort yeah. of situation and with plenty of opportunities so to how do you be man up go, go spend a whole lot of time with a whole yeah. lot more men yeah <laughs> like,
4: it's like joining the wrestling team yeah because yeah. oh, you want to yeah. be a real man
2: fitting outfit but I I mean I har- I just sort of when you read some of the people's uh, recounts you get the vibe and I hope it was what happened for a lot of them is that instead of finding that they needed to be Mm -hmm. straightened out they sort of found something a little bit more acceptable or exciting Mm. and that they found hopefully I I hope for yeah. them that they found some sort of sense of normality and and, yeah. and other people that, that felt the same way as them mm-hmm. yeah A lot yeah. Of the, I mean like a lot of these kids came from tiny little country towns with, of a hundred people that yeah. were working on farms and probably had these totally. hidden secret feelings that they would never yeah. have talked about and so yeah would have joined up thinking oh well that'll fix this me up work. and instead maybe hopefully yeah. other people that were
4: like-minded it's like when I misguidedly joined a football team oh, <laughs> I, was oh. Like I feel like we something. would have all done things like yeah. that yeah. I mean not yeah.
3: necessarily join the Army, but like trying I think that's to, probably why I try to... to do sports stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. For like oh, one whole day, but,
4: then, um... it's the same situation, you're surrounded by other yeah. men, you're like, this is it's what like I should be, be doing. Having yeah, yeah, this is yeah. what men like. Recipe I... for disaster, and it's totally. interesting too. Because when we had that live show, she someone was. had asked us, I, I had a bit to drink that night. Someone <laughs> had asked us about like jobs oh. that queer people were attracted to, and oh, what yes. industries mm-hmm. were sort of in, and, and what ones don't have gay people, but I feel like like. there isn't an industry that doesn't have gay people. Like, No. We just work jobs. We Mm. play jazz music sometimes.
2: Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because it's going back to the story about New Guinea where the Americans' army reported to the Australian army that there was all these Australians bottoming for all these Americans. They referred to themselves as girls and the girlfriends of the American men and that sort of stuff. And that's when the army sort of started getting concerned because they felt like- that was perhaps developing from homosexuality to, oh, and they or, can't, although they didn't use in any of the reports, the word um, transgender identifying yeah, people. Like that, that's and... what they were worried about. But it turns out that 13 of the 18 people that they interviewed, of the Australians that were mm, yeah. calling themselves girls, were David Jones employees from Melbourne. They, I all, worked they all worked at J- David Jones Oof. in Melbourne, which is interesting that retail has always been uh, yeah, good went, for bottoms. I, mean,
3: yeah,
2: I have worked at David Jones. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm not joking. I went to David jones on the weekend and i've yeah. never felt so judged before oh, really <laughs> oh. like it was like hunger games level like i was yeah. fearful because i was looking at like dress shirts yes and so i'd gone into like the suits uh-huh. area and i'd never felt so surrounded by like what yeah. is it like fiscally conservative yeah. right. socially liberal type of gaze. And yeah. I was like, I got to get out of here. This yeah. seems like a weird horror movie because <laughs> they're all like hiding behind racks of suits mm. and popping up. I and- just feel fat whenever I go there. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> like, that's crazy to think that Dave Jones is that old. Um,
2: and it is, sorry, we mentioned briefly that um, lesbians as well, in society at the time, sort of had a more reserved approach mm. when it came to lesbianism. Okay. Is that story of um, when they were investigating this woman who was serving, and I think uh-huh. she was a nurse, was found in a bathtub with another <gasps> nurse and then was interviewed. Scandal. Scandal, scandal. And then was interviewed after, and yeah. she was asked if she was a lesbian. She didn't even know what that meant. She said, no, oh, I'm right. a Presbyterian. <laughs> she thought it was like a, a religion or something like it, it, that. Kind of. Because um, a lot of the women that were going away and yeah. serving had sort of been kept at home until they married and then they moved in with their husband and that was life. So for yeah. a lot of the women, would yeah. start experimenting and that sort of thing I as well. Yeah,
3: this is like fascinating. because like It's I a fascinating really, time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really learn any of this because I, I only did year 11 and 12 in Australia. So... Mm-hmm. Where, like uh, You see a pop-up on Facebook and stuff, and I think we've posted a few times, but just like those old black and white photos of people being gay in those times, or, yeah. like secret notes and things yeah. like that. I love that kind of yeah. stuff. Mm. It's so heartwarming to like, kind of just know that we've always been there. We've always existed. And, exactly. Like, and
2: given, these assholes it, in 1982 yeah. co- can try and stop us from dropping rates, but yeah, we we're yeah. there and it's we just, are part of it.
4: Yeah, It's beautiful. Like It's those, pretty fascinating. Yeah, I love yeah. It. yeah. It's cool with these historical movements because visibility, I think, is such an important part of our culture and totally. our rights moving forward. Mm. And, you know, the most offensive thing about not being able to lay a wreath mm. back in the 80s, it highlights that we've always been involved yeah. in some pretty important historical events and it's not something that just suddenly popped up. Yeah, absolutely. As, it's uh, just uh, discovering it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some beautiful letters as well. It's
2: also nice to know that there was lots of people at the time that weren't fussed. by I think we think of if mm. you think olden days, you think of unaccepting. Yeah, it's just that very sort of rigid. Thing. Like it's nice to know. Yeah. That, I mean, they say uh, that was that quote: "The war." I don't know who said it, but "war is the great equalizer," ah. and it's used to talk about when people went away yeah. in those days. You might be mm. a person of color next to someone that was quite high up and wealthy, mm. next to somebody that was you know a poor absolutely. factory worker or something. But once you're in a uniform and fighting and you're for your and, and fighting, you yeah. just best mates and you just accept everybody because you need to do what you need yeah. to do to to stay alive. I mm, guess. Definitely, I've got a book at home and I meant to bring it in to show you guys. Actually, a collection of yeah. poetry from World War Two from the Allied forces, but some of them are love love poems to
4: oh. their fellow servicemen. You know, mm. it's it's, yeah, um, it's beautiful. Little That'd known be so fact that actually originated from World War from the Anzacs yeah. Wait, I, I can't tell when you're being <laughs> serious
3: or not. I'm just picturing <laughs> like these like guys. Camera, like in heels just like oh <laughs> yeah totally no I'm joking <laughs> oh gosh okay it's like yeah, I'm very gullible right now I don't know Australian history
4: <laughs> yeah I could tell you anything right now. <laughs> but um, I do
3: get why it can be quite jarring
2: for people yeah. for LGBTI people to sort of acknowledge Anzac yeah. day because the army as an institution as opposed to the yeah. individuals who are fighting has been homophobic and transphobic yeah. for a long time mm. and is only really sort of fixing itself now it is understandable that a lot of people sort of find the day as a, yeah. as a something something that they're not part of. Mm-hmm. So I would say that maybe spend the day next year, now that it's passed, <laughs> remembering who you want, or like what yeah. you want to remember and that sort of thing, and maybe reading about these people that, Absolutely. that sacrificed so oh. much. Because they, the ones that went away to fight between World War II and, 19, and yeah. 1992, not only had to sort of sacrifice... Mm-hmm themselves for war, but also sacrifice their personality and keep that yeah. hidden and, and secret. That's crazy. I can't yeah. even
3: my, my nana used to fly fighter planes and stuff. Like oh, my, wow. yeah my dad's side of the family, all all aviation, my, I was nana and my to gran- ask
2: What side of the war your family were on? <laughs> oh <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> but um yeah, she we have all these really beautiful old black and white photos of my grandmother on aeroplane like wings and like doing like with a makeup compact. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And then um newspaper articles written about her and they used to call her barefoot Phyllis because she'd only fly airplanes barefoot. Oh cool. And she used to Get like disqualified from flying competitions for reckless flying because she used to enjoy clipping the tops of trees. Oh, that's and just like so all cool. this crazy. Like she's such a cool rebel and like yeah, she's like oh my, my God, favorite. grandma was in a girl band. Wow. Yeah. Well,
2: this is the one on, on mum's side. That's how my grandparents. Yeah. So the my mm-hmm. grandfather that served with the army after World War Two. She was in a girl band and they would tour all the army bases mm-hmm. around Australia. And he would go and like try and chat her up all the time and yeah. like asked her out several times after her gigs. And she kept saying <gasps> no, and eventually she said yes. That's and, so cool. Yeah, it's really cute. Mm. Our grandparents. Yeah, grandparents like, so <laughs> cool. <laughs> Because yeah.
4: is being so boring. They were yeah. hardcore. My dad's pretty bad, though. He absconded. That's how. <laughs> that's how he met. Remind like, me what
3: absconded means.
4: Well, he like avoided conscription. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. right. I thought it was that. But Donald I Trump frustrated. and he's the president of the United States. Yeah, didn't States, he so. do that? <laughs> he, yeah, similar men. Yeah, but my dad oh, left, geez. and that's actually how he met my mother in the philippines so right. if he didn't
3: do that you might not have a I leak. wouldn't be here wow. no and
4: that took i think about 20 years of prodding mm-hmm. and plying dad oh, to oh, with yeah. alcohol You're mm-hmm. right. like when we think about the anzacs we think mm. about people in their 70s mm. you, you know and there's a disconnect that no these people mm. were in their 20s mm. when yeah. when this- yeah. Happy so young. Aunt, yeah, that is a life changing mm-hmm. event to be a part of. It doesn't really compare to anything mm. we can nothing like, at it. all. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, not. yeah. But it puts a lot of things into context when, mm. especially when I think about my 20s, mm. the worst thing is like losing Wi Fi for a yeah. while, oh <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so, I think respect is due, yes, um, yeah, absolutely. even if you don't, for myself, I don't support war and yeah, and, and yeah. I I don't like the political nature of mm. using Anzacs as this image of Masculinity mm. and and mm. The- I also
2: think I totally agree with you. I don't I don't like mm-hmm. the glorification of war or, or support war in any sense. But I think World War Two was very much a, a war that no one really wanted to, yeah. to to enter. It wasn't a war over resources or something like that. Mm. It was if we don't, then to mm-hmm. give you a history lesson, Kyle, kind of, <laughs> <Yay! laughs> Japan and, and Germany were <laughs> you know, major powers um, fighting yeah. against Australia, yes. um, and yeah, they'd sort of basically decided what country would be governed mm-hmm. by which country after the war and Japan was supposed mm. to get Australia um, and was so confident that they would that they had mm. warehouses of Australian yen printed and ready to go for when they taken and that's, it was the Japanese that bombed Darwin. Yeah. But it, you're right I, I don't, the glorification of it isn't us but we should remember the people that didn't want to go that did and sacrificed anyway.
4: Absolutely I, I feel like it was, it, it was a less of an engineered yes, war yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, yeah. that you see now which, you know, the political Landscape is just yeah. fucked, mm. and and yeah. ultimately for me, it's it's something that just doesn't sit right with my own personal values. Mm. Yeah, but it's important to give respect and acknowledge the people that did fight and what they did do and their mm-hmm. place in history mm-hmm. and their place and what they've done for this country mm-hmm. whether that aligns with my precious north side <laughs> values or not yeah you, you know you so there are some things where you have to check mm-hmm. yourself at the door anyone that served time for their country mm-hmm. that's one of the things yeah mm-hmm. definitely.
3: As I mentioned earlier, I went away this past weekend to the country, mm. did you? and yeah, no, I, I did. <laughs> and it, it was very funny because I was sitting there with Duncan, like at the thirtieth, and there were all these like old country families, and it was weird all the conversations that I got stuck in because. A lot of people were just talking about all the homes that they're going to buy and all their kids that they're having. And Look. I felt very out of place a lot mm. of the time. And I kind of felt like I was just sitting there very quietly. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get my fucking life under control. Like, mm. what am I doing? I'm not in plans to buy a house. I can barely afford to live. And then I started thinking, I was like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, that doesn't apply to that's me. not what you like. Yeah. That's that's like a very straight ideology. It is. Absolutely. And heteronormative. normative, like, we yes. that. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting because- so many people are so constrained and tied down by that. This concept. Yes, this mm. concept that once you get to a certain age, you have to have a certain job. You have to have, settle down with, and uh, and find a piece. partner, yeah. have a kid, buy a house. That's not for me. Mm. I mean, as as gay men or queer people, we're not restrained by that. I mean, no one really is, but it's mm. not inbuilt into us because we're not so desperate to have children. Or yeah. A lot of us aren't, I guess. I kind of felt a big sigh of relief when I came to this conclusion. Cause yeah, I, I like I like my life and I like yeah. how I live do it. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, enjoy. and it's funny because I was speaking to my friend and she was saying that she, she i don't think she ever really wants to have children and she said she surrounds herself because she loves gay people and mm. like being friends with gay people not because like just to have a gbf or anything like that or like a very materialistic basic bitch ownership kind thing, of yeah. like ownership thing you know what i mean like a lot of girls have gay friends for that reason but the fact that us gay people like lifestyles match up with her as more yeah. and like she sees it as they're more in it for the long run because it matches up with her lifestyle of like being social yeah. and having like wine nights and things like that and you not it's being like, yeah, yeah. How heterosexual people are starting to discover that they can have, yeah, a and I thought that was very life. refreshing, yeah, yeah, yeah to hear that and to know that we are valued for our yeah. lifestyles, Even settling down is a really interesting concept. I, I feel
2: like when we had the whole marriage equality debate, uh-huh. everyone was expecting that that's what we do, mm-hmm. now. Yeah. like, but I can still have a concept of settling down, and and I still wanted marriage equality because I think we should all have the option of doing it, yes, but doesn't exactly, mean we have right. to do it. For me, the ideal. Settling down would be. Have you watched that new David Attenborough documentary? No, everyone oh, keeps with talking the about walruses.
4: it. Oh, Is yeah, that the, with the, the walruses? walruses died the clip? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I Is just that saw that bizarre? clip
3: and I was like, maybe I shouldn't
2: watch. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't going to yeah. compare myself to the walruses. There was these birds. <laughs> Don't throw yourself off a cliff. <laughs> these birds that like settle on this one island off the coast yeah. of Queensland or something like that, mm-hmm. and they like are totally in love, but they go around and they sometimes have sex with other birds yeah. and they go traveling around the world all the mm. time, but then they always come back to this little yeah. to their little nest on this little island. Oh. That's what I want, like. I want somebody <laughs> that I'm going to be with forever. We can have a little mm-hmm. bit of fun maybe here and there. Yeah. And we do exciting adventures and mm-hmm. all that sort of shit. That's my idea of settling yeah. down. But not settling down and staying in the one place and, and having Absolutely. kids and
3: that yeah. sort of Yeah. I mean, I've moved around a lot in my life. The thought of having like the same kind of family home even is just like baffling yeah. to me. Just like being in that same kind of place. Mm. But um, I don't want to stop going out drinking or anything in the near future. I, I enjoy that aspect. Yeah. And I know Duncan is such a party animal. He's like, yeah. I want to do this till I'm 80. Yeah. <laughs> so do I don't see my
2: in the VIP room at <laughs> 16. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, I hope I that like I have. An act- I mean, I really like being actively involved in the yeah. physical yeah, space scene. That's, that's what I mean. Talked yeah. about before. And I hope that I do continue mm-hmm. to still go to gay nights and gay events and. Th- queer theatre and yeah. all that sort of stuff as mm-hmm. long as I live and I have no intention of settling down on that mm. front maybe less of 6am's at
3: Revolver but yeah. Yes. yeah 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 no absolutely I agree and it's like all about that kind of balance and yeah. doing fun
4: weekend things as well well I don't I don't necessarily think settling down is mutually exclusive with mm-hmm. not being social yes and doing fun things I know it's kind of like that's how like, I... it, it's kind of funny that we're sort of mm-hmm. pigeonholing heterosexual people yeah, yeah. into this very boring sounding lifestyle mm-hmm. Like for me personally, I don't plan what I do for the next week. So let alone Mm. five years from now or whatever. And and I'm happy to live that way. And Mm. luckily the people in my life are happy to put up with that. Mm. You know, my interests and and my plans can change at any given time. And I think that's something that was afforded to me by the absolute fear from my family that Mm. I may be gay. You you know, people's lifestyle, that's their. Absolutely, Yeah. yeah their thing and as long as they're not pushing it on me mm. raising a child sounds fucking horrific mm. yeah from what i've heard from my friends <laughs> it sounds like the worst possible thing you could ever do yeah. for you uh, yeah. Yeah. for you yeah uh, i think it's i think it's fantastic now that uh, that
2: gay people have the opportunity to have families and raise kids and things like that yeah. i think it's i think you sort of said we're pigeonholing people that their social life stops i think it's kind of fair to, to say mm. that anyone that has kids regardless of whether they're homosexual or heter- heterosexual is sacrificing a large amount of mm. their social time. Yeah. Like, that's just what you have mm-hmm. to do with have yes, kids. Yeah.
4: Buying a property, though, for example, y- yeah. doesn't equate to having children. Yeah. No, you, but if you, we are <laughs> talking about the, the, the <laughs> yeah. white picket fence, yeah. kids yeah.
2: and schools and that sort of thing, then, yeah, that does sort of restrict your social life. Mm.
4: Yeah. I, I do respect people that find a balance. Mm. Yeah, good on We have a lot of psychs at my work. Who God bless them, they've figured out how to live, mm. basically. But they actually are more active with children than I am. They're going off to Rainbow Serpent mm. Mm, right. and yeah. like going to Burning Man festival and making plans for when mm. the kids are old enough to start going. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, you've actually figured out how to yeah, how to do that's both. good. My viewpoint is, is like, we need to stop thinking it's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. It's like I guess. And then also nothing, you know, settling down for a whole lot of different
3: people would be completely different things like mm. in, in the straight community, in the gay community. Mm. Yeah, I guess everyone would have their own version of it. I mean, yeah.
4: none of us are wrong. Mm none of us are really doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, I
3: I guess it can just sort of feel like pressure to do it a certain way.
4: Except for Mikey. Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I do,
3: I feel, I felt like having a lot of conversations with some straight couples over the weekend, Mm -hmm. like maybe a little bit older than myself and they would like put that pressure on Duncan and I or like talk to us and be like, when are you two moving in together? When are you going to do this? Trying to make sense of us through their, I guess, yeah, their lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, I do think that's definitely a thing. Straight people I yeah. love projecting. It's kind of like when people put mm. human clothes on pets yeah. or whatever <laughs> and make lot. them like That is like my that. idea of settling yeah. down.
2: I just get Albert like a whole wardrobe oh, and totally. we just live together for the rest of our Yeah, lives.
4: and yeah. like role play with their pets. I think some straight people do that with gay couples. Be <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you're gonna move in now and yeah. you're gonna have the most fabulous yeah. place and it's and like incredible.
3: I think I go through phases as well where being more low-key and chill, that's really good and then you can have phases when you're just like partying like every mm. fucking night for a couple months and It's good that to have the freedom to do so. Yeah.
4: You know, being an introverted extrovert, I will have phases where I need to be out and I need to be doing the most ridiculous things Mm -hmm. and I need to get that energy out of my system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I come down off of that and I need to hibernate for a bit to build back up. And that's really difficult to be in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. That's a nightmare for a lot of people. And so my relationship to settling down slash living it up has always been really inconsistent (laughs) because that's who I am and the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny because a lot of my previous relationships, uh, haven't been able to maybe communicate it quite well mm-hmm. or i didn't have quite a good grasp on the concept obviously all those relationships ended but there was often a sense of being cheated mm. like feeling a bit cheated by it because they would have caught me in one swing of the the, oh, the and motion then, like hold you to it like, yeah mm. and then it swung the other way be it me yeah. being really low-key and them loving that and yeah. then me going and you're absolutely allowed to change and evolve mm. and yeah so i uh, i've kind of like not Put any expectations Mm. on me and been really upfront about it. I'm Mm. just an inconsistent. Person, mm-hmm. yeah. this is the most consistent thing that I've done, and that i seen. your one of, constant. Yeah, and that for me, settling down will always involve some mm-hmm. level of inconsistency. Yeah, where but I mean, you you might meet your ideal match will be like exactly the same, and like ride
3: that role. No, that's a you. nightmare situation. <laughs> no, oh, you don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> no. Well, there's no <laughs> helping you. I don't know how help you. Like, no, <laughs> no. I think
4: settling down for me, I would like someone who maybe has the stability of a Uh, constant persona as opposed to one that fluctuates day by Mm, day. Uh, This sounds really sexist, but uh, what am I going to say? I hate hate women. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really sexist, but uh, that old saying about like periods syncing up, if you have a really inconsistent mental health sort of state, you you can sync up with someone else Mm. pretty quickly. And you can end up just as bad as one yeah. another. And I think I've always been attracted to people that I've seen a bit of mm-hmm. myself in and then realized, oh, we're mm. sinking. Uh, we're sinking. Like a up. Kind of like
3: hive mentality.
4: Yeah, yeah. And so when you're down, you don't have that up person around yeah. anymore. You've synced up and now they're down. <laughs> you set and them
3: free into the world next.
4: <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know how we got so far into my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> <on> <laughs> That's great. On this topic, but... I don't have any expectations Mm. for the future. Settling down for me does not necessarily mean children and and property. I see that as something great that white people I mean, It do. might be something I want one day but at the, for the time being I'm fine I'm I don't like, get it. Yeah. I just don't actually understand the logistics yeah. of how someone in their early to mid 20s can own a property and yeah. create another life
2: mm. it's insane I think my concern is that I just changed my mind about everything so often yeah like I'm I, very indecisive you know as like well. the baby would be coming out and I'd be like <laughs> oh actually I wanted blue eyes actually yeah. uh, oh, want- no
4: I'd just be like oh actually I think I just wanted to go on a holiday <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah i have my receipt yeah <laughs> so good on them for <laughs> however they wrote the <laughs> system so we're joined by thorgy thor a drag performance artist and professional musician from brooklyn new york how are you this morning thorgy oh
1: i like that introduction i'm doing great how are you guys
4: we're so excited to have you on the show thank you for your time Oh, my pleasure. Now, you're part of the cast for a new TV special called Drag Me Down the Aisle, which is this week on TLC in Australia. So how were you cast or picked to be one of the queens on the show?
1: Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, I heard about it first, like, through the grapevine, through my management team. And I was kind of picked because I am a professional player. i played violin, viola, cello since I was little. Mm. And um, when I got older, I started my own company after college and i i played many events a lot of studio recording sessions some of them with really big pop stars and i actually had a side business playing weddings so i've actually played violin or viola or cello for probably close to 2,000 weddings over the last you know 10 years oh my god so the fact that i did drag and i was this crazy nightlife character for a year and also paired with just being an expert at wedding music it was kind of fitting for me to be picked for the show, so I was really honored to, um, to start a, just having fun with brides. You know,
4: it's quite a dream team that you've got there. You've got BB, Alexis Michelle, and my favorite Juju B. A bit of Asian representation <laughs> on the team, and I just love how all your personalities merge together and and play off each other. Especially you and BB seem to have quite a good
1: rapport. I know. Well, I've known BB. She was in you know, a New Yorker for a long time, and we used to work together. And she's just the most ridiculous person I've ever met in my entire life. Everything that you're going to see on the screen is exactly how she acts all day long. So she's
4: a crazy. <laughs> now, you did film the show, oh, the first episode, I think, in Pennsylvania. And uh-huh. I, I watched that episode, and there was a moment where the bride actually asked if you could meet her father out of drag because he was a bit conservative. He didn't feel comfortable for that first interaction to be the big, thorgy, full experience. Now, you handled it really well, and I think that moment will resonate with a lot of LGBT people. Yeah. How did that feel in the moment? Was it something you were expecting? Was it completely unscripted and, and unexpected moment for you?
1: Yeah. You know, I've been asked this question before and I still don't know how to answer it. It's just, I'm comfortable all the time. So it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. But I did say to him, you know, when we talked, I, I immediately just reacted like, sure, I just love meeting people, you know, I don't yeah. really care what I'm wearing. But you know, it, it really wasn't about me at that moment. It was immediately about like, if this bride feels more comfortable with having a fabulous queen meet her father, Dressed differently the first time, then it's about how it's not really about me or my ego. But I always thought, you know, no matter what, I can always convince people. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, let me get the guard down first and then come out fabulous. And, you know, once people meet people and we get along, it doesn't matter what you're wearing at the end of the day, you know?
4: I really wish you got him into drag, though. That was my goal. You were so close, I think. So close. We talk on our show about body image issues in the queer community quite a bit. And obviously, mm-hmm. being a makeover format show, there's a bit of that on Drag Me Down the Aisle. Now, the episode I've seen focuses a lot on the bride just not feeling beautiful in her wedding dress. Was it important to yeah. you to communicate that kind of body positivity message that is you know, really important at the moment?
1: Absolutely. You know, you stole the term body positivity, and it doesn't matter what skin you're in or how much you weigh. Or if you have a giant you know, shark bite scar across your chest, it's like yeah. you got to wear it with pride and you have to feel good in your own skin. Who, who told we, you about my shark bite? <laughs> uh, do you have a shark bite? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I am a little psychic. I am a little psychic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is really important to just make people feel or allow them to feel really good in their own skin. And if it takes a fabulous foursome to kind of kick them in the butt a little bit and make them feel that, then we did our job. You
4: know? Yeah, I think you did an amazing job with that. As soon as someone's a bit more comfortable in their body, you really see them open up as a person. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great to see that. And I think drag is such an awesome gateway to getting people there. Now, most Me of... too. That's why I do it. <laughs> most of our listeners will, of course, know you from RuPaul's Drag Race. Most recently, you were on All Stars. And I spend a lot of time on Reddit. I'm one of those Reddit annoying people that... <laughs> oh,
1: Lord, one of those people. Yeah,
4: so I apologize in advance. But um, a lot of people... No, know... I
1: just, I read it once and I was like, no, this isn't for me. I, I can't check these things.
4: Some of the queens are on there, I think. Some of the queens interact and stuff. And, you know, there's rumors that certain people are actually like, that's really Aja and...
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I heard... Like I'm, people like me on Reddit. That's what people said. They were like, you're likable. There's like, people like you on Reddit. There's nothing nasty about you. I was like, well, even if there were, don't tell me.
4: You were like a meme queen on there during All Stars. Every episode you were on, they oh, good. They found something um, to latch onto. And um, one of the things they really responded to was they felt that you were a bit manipulated on the show by production and that you left way too early considering what you brought to the table how do you feel about old size yeah. now that it's done and 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 dusted
1: well i i'm i'm kind of a mixed review but i thought i did a wonderful job as stevie nicks and if you compare all these divas together if you want to talk specifically about that one episode how can you compare patty labelle to you know stevie nicks how yeah. can you compare you know, Diana Ross to Stevie. You know, we were all so different. Mm. Um, But you know I've said this before, and this is kind of where I've settled with that one episode and getting the boot, is that, you know, I would have picked Stevie Nicks if I had the chance, but we were kind of just like, ascribe them. They picked like a diva that fit our personality, and I would pick Stevie Nicks tomorrow or the day after. I would always pick Stevie Nicks. We had no hand in the choreography, and we had no hand in writing the song. Do you see what I'm saying? So when I was judged based on that i didn't know what i was being judged on it's kind of a shame the performance kind of paled in comparison but i didn't write it or choreograph it so that's i was just a little bitter about that but looking back i had fun and i'm glad that all the girls got to shine and i'm glad that i got to be stevener yesterday today and tomorrow i was I still
4: quote you from that episode because there's that bit where you say no one's in the front row at a Stevie Nicks concert going,
1: yes, work, Stevie. Work, Stevie, work. Because it's true. I mean, if you look at the history, there's a lot of, you know, LGBTQ family that really supports Stevie Nicks, but that's not the kind of show or the kind of culture that she's from. You know, she she is a hippie woman who has this beautiful voice and, you know, from the 70s. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't really resonate
4: yeah, next to uh, I don't know, I'm gonna put yeah.
1: my foot in my mouth again. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I have to do like a finance presentation at work, I always say, No one's at a finance presentation going, Yes, look, wha-. wow.
1: <laughs> I say it all the time. Very funny. One of yeah.
4: your other viral moments, of course, was oh Jesus gross. Um I see that on Reddit oh, all yeah. the time. I uh, guess we, we kind of covered this a little bit but did you expect that to go viral and to s- sort of resonate with people for as long as it
1: has absolutely not i, I you know it just it literally organically just came out of my mouth because it was just how i was feeling at that moment. i just felt like this is really gross like ugh, like get me off this stage i'm so done with this show like, yeah. you know i was really just fed up with it and you know the ugh gross wasn't towards kennedy because she looked wonderful and she did a good job and it wasn't at changela because she didn't Asked to pick somebody. Do you know what I mean? She just had to. It was just kind of what Hmm. she had to do. So it was kind of just, ugh, gross. Like, get me out of here. I was kind of mad at the judges. I was mad at Rue. And I was mad at the whole situation. I just wanted out of there from the whole production. I was like, oh, this is just gross. Like, that I'm even in the bottom two. And then I'm going home right now. It it was so gross. I was so done. Like, get me out of here.
4: I think it was nice to see someone unfiltered. I think it stood out to a lot of people because it was just like an honest reaction a queen being themselves yeah. and and not sort of filtering over because there's a camera in front of them or three or four cameras you know just being like you know what this is gross i'm going going <laughs> so yeah bye but i is... like
1: i like that they brought me back
4: oh yeah and you uh, looked amazing with that there. rusty the oh, sunglass yeah, i it was love like orange and blue
1: like this yeah it, it was Thanks.
4: A, that was a toot for me for that look I, I cool. promise we won't talk too much more about Drag Race, but I did have to ask about uh, the jury episode when they did bring you back. You were the sole person to vote for Shangela, which was, I think, a shock to the production and to Shangela and to the other queens. Why
1: do you think that I know. Everyone... went down
4: the way it did?
1: I don't know. You know, we sat there and in the room, and you know, it really happened like that. You know, but behind the scenes, we really didn't get to like talk as a group mm. who we were all voting for. We we did not know. None of the eliminated queens that had to choose a lipstick knew what the other queens chose. So when it actually aired, I was like, everyone gasped because I was like, I was the only one who voted for Shangela? Yeah. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. See, this is why I always said to production and to RuPaul, I was like, I'm a good candidate for this competition to stay to the end because I'm very fair. And Mm -hmm. I might act like a really bitter person, and this is really disgusting, but at the end, they asked us to do a specific job, which was to pick who did the best. And I was able to set aside any bitterness and any anger towards any girl who voted me off and just look at the task at hand and say who did the best. And I thought Trixie and Changela did, so I picked them. You know, and I think a lot of the other queens may have had a personal vendetta Mm. against Shangela or something. You know, maybe. I don't really know. But, I mean, it worked out really great for me. (laughs) 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 Everyone's just like, yeah, I was the only fucking one. Yeah,
4: it, it was a bit of a goop to see. I think everyone had predicted that top two. But one of the great things about you, I think, is that you are just an open book When you're on television it's the same with drag me down the aisle there's no sort of pretense when watching you which i think is really entertaining and makes you uh, a fan favorite for a lot of people
1: well thanks a lot it's it's who i am i can't help it (laughs) I i can't change
4: it my last drag race question is your iconic lip sync chi chi devane and yourself i think i've showed that performance to people who don't watch drag race just to say, look at this, it, this is what drag can be, because it's iconic lip-sync. Do, how wow, you, thank you. How do you feel looking back at, at, at that lip-sync, you know, now that that's even further away than All Stars?
1: Yeah, well, I, I loved it. I love Chi Chi. I still text her, you know, once a week just to check in with her. We're really good friends. And when we were there, you know, when we walked out, I kind of was feeling that I was in a lip-sync, and I just said, you know, give it, give it my all. And if you think about it, you get inside my head, it was like from dream girls you know what i mean and i was literally lip-syncing next to like a black girl from shreveport louisiana that didn't (laughs) come from a lot of money she was literally a living dream girl yeah yeah. you see what i'm saying and it was me like bouncing around like i don't really stand a chance even if i like grew wings out of my back and flew across the stage i think she still would have stayed (laughs) you know what i mean like there is nothing i could have done to stay but i i said i'm going to give it my all and we had a blast and I'm glad that we both looked good. You know, we had a blast and I look back at that show and I don't regret a single thing I did. I'm, mm. I'm very, very proud of every single look and every single challenge. You know what I mean? I, I just had such a good time. Mm. It's why I went back to All Stars, you know?
4: Yeah, it's amazing to watch you. Now, you talked about this on the show as well, but you started your own symphony orchestra, the Thorchestra. Thor how has oh, yeah. that, How's that been received? The orchestra community here in Melbourne can be a bit conservative. Has it gone off? Oh, yeah. Are people yassing in oh, the Oh, well, front? That's,
1: that's the thing. It's like, you know, so I, I've only done one big, big, big show, and it was in um, with Symphony Nova Scotia, and it was in Halifax oh, yeah. in Canada. And, you know, we sold out like 2,300 seats in like six hours. So that to me, cause I don't really sell tickets, you know, like that's not what I do. So I asked the team, I was like, is that like a good number? And they're like, are you crazy? That's incredible. So like, I was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, we kind of parlayed that into a larger tour. So I'm actually playing with the Vancouver symphony orchestra, the Pittsburgh symphony orchestra. And uh, New Year's I played with the San Francisco symphony orchestra and I, it's just me often like a clown on the stage. But then when I actually play and I solo and I look you know, ridiculous and fabulous, all the professional players who may have been from a conservative background who think that I don't have a place there, mm. I think because I'm a talented player, I win a lot of them over. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and I've always, you know, I, I've heard this a lot. Like George, you could be on stage and you could just play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and everyone would scream. And I'm like... Yeah, I probably could, but I don't want to play for that audience. I want, like, the concertmaster of the New York Philharmonic to be sitting in the front row and come up and say, like, you are fantastic. You Hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's what I want.
4: Yeah, I love how drag is branching out into all these different areas like Trixie with country music and the classical and baroque music that you play in the show as well there's not a boundary there anymore that drag just has to be exactly you know lip-syncing to these very specific songs in bars yeah that you can do drag I think you and I,
1: I feel very very I feel a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight on my shoulders to kind of shake people up a little bit and be like well I might look like some you know full of makeup and ridiculous costumes and larger than life but you know i can still stick to the traditions of maybe a conservative orchestra setting while just making it a little bit more fabulous and maybe reaching a younger generation who thinks it's archaic and boring because it's not at all to me you know it's in my whole life
4: little known fact i actually played trombone for seven years in high school so if you ever need a backup trombonist just hit me up anytime. that's incredible
1: you know i've gotten over 500 emails over the last couple of years just from mentioning it on season eight i've gotten like 500 emails of like hey my name is charles i play the harp i live in iceland you know i'd love to play with you so i've been categorizing all these players and i'm finally now getting to do it So hopefully, i can bring it to australia
4: That would be incredible. And then we can get you back on the show again as well. Yeah. You've also been vocal in the past about Drag Race putting some pressure on queens that haven't appeared on the show versus those that have. Do you think that Drag Race has had a positive or like a negative impact on the local drag community? So queens that perform
1: in local bars? Oh, well, you know, and it's funny and I got, you know, I got actually a lot of praise about this from the Drag Race family Mm. saying you know because i I came back right after season eight and i went right back to my local bar that i always worked at and i did a viewing party every single week even the episodes that i got eliminated on yeah and uh and then i said to everyone you know i got eliminated and you know it was always packed and i liked that i was bringing the business back to brooklyn because you know I, i i was born here you know i learned how to do what i do here so why would i go somewhere else and i got asked and offered a lot of money to go other places to host viewing parties and I said no I actually like that I do one at home mm. and all the local queens and all the local bars really really praised me for that they said you're really cool for like sticking here and I said well I love I love it here you know what I mean yeah um and I still did and i had done a viewing party every single week uh, I'm doing it tomorrow for the viewing party <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be at Metropolitan Bar right down the block from my house because you know it's Brooklyn and I love it and when I'm here I love to do it but I talked to the local queens and it did make a difference to them because of the success of some of the Queens on the show. Mm. Um, They disappear and they travel a lot. You know, I've been traveling a lot, so I don't always get to talk to my old sisters as much as I'd like to, but I think it puts a fire under a lot of people's butt Mm. um, to, you know, audition and maybe, you know, I I auditioned for eight years. I I mean, yeah. And I, I, at a certain point, I mean, literally all of my friends who I would book at my very successful shows in New York, like Willem, Detox, Ivy Winters, Sharon, Alaska. I booked them all before a Drag Race. And I would watch them all get on the show and then be successful and tour the world. And I was sitting there like, why? What did I, you know, what did I do? At that point, I was a local girl, you know, local girl watching these girls really be successful, make a little bit more money and get to travel the world and really share what they can do with everyone. And then I finally got there. And I kind of knew how it felt because I felt beat down for eight years, you know. And I I talked to my sister and I said, well, if being on a show and traveling is something you want to do, it certainly helps to get your audition tape in and and meet the right people and schmooze. And what makes it even harder now is the show's impact on just the world in general is that there are now 20 times the amount of drag artists who quit their jobs to be entertainers. You see what I'm saying? So the competition is even harder now locally. Yeah. So I'm very thankful that I got on season eight because it's only exploded once it got on VH1, mm. and now that it airs in every country. you see what I'm saying. So now it's even harder. I show up every day, and I'm like, who are these 20 queens that I've never met? Oh, like, yeah. down the block from my house. <laughs> you know, it's every day there's more and more queens, which is a double-edged sword. It's very wonderful. It helps the community. It's, the family just keeps growing. But then the work is harder, mm. and maybe newer queens work for a lot less. So I don't know. It's a double-edged sword. I could talk for an hour about this oh i think we've done I to all my sisters here in brooklyn
4: well i don't want to keep you for much longer because yeah we could go on yeah for the whole episode doing so um but thank you yeah, s- yeah. so much for joining us um we really appreciate it. we hope to see the Thought orchestra down in australia soon as well as checking cool. you out on drag me down the aisle on tlc
1: i'm really excited
4: yeah we love yeah, it yeah it's gonna be great Thank you so much again, and I hope to
1: come back to Australia really soon. Yes, please, please
4: do, please do.
3: So we've had ups and downs this episode. We've We've gone on a roller coaster. We have drag queens. We have the war, vintage (laughs) sex, white picket fences, (laughs) white picket fences. But
2: always a pleasure to spend it with you guys. and Mikey if he was here. Love you.
3: Love our listeners. Please subscribe to all our socials. Yeah. Happy uh, and join Easter our group. We hit like well. 500 members or something recently, I think, on the group. Yeah. yeah. So I don't like know where like the fuck you people. other people are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, Thousands of people on the Facebook page that <laughs> haven't joined the group. So yeah. fuck you all. Join yeah. the group. Right.
4: Who right. will Happy, be on the uh, show next week? <laughs> <laughs> who will not be here? <laughs> and who will be guesting? Oh, Like, yes. who knows? Who knows? Well, Apple producer Dan knows, but I don't We've had so many guests in a row recording day and one person gone each time oh, what about yeah. if next week none of us are here oh and it's just four guests doing the show. and then everyone decides they like that podcast better oh. <laughs> and that becomes the show no that's no let's not
2: well on that <laughs> note <laughs> Thanks so much. And yeah, as uh, Kyle was saying, please make sure you uh, subscribe and also follow us on the Instagram at Revolt. And if you pod. haven't already,
3: give us fucking five stars. Yeah, guys. give us like, five stars. We deserve stars. it. We've been around almost a year now. Oh, on yeah. the Apple podcast. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Fuck everything Yeah, else I think, I care. Yeah. But- <laughs> cool. Go. bye. Oh, bye. Bye.
5: Bye. Bye.